0: In the name of God, creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. Amen. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Exodus. The Hebrew people are on a journey moving from oppression to freedom, to liberation, to salvation. Often on such a journey, there is much joy and time for a celebration. But also, often on that journey, there is great struggle, there are demands, and the journey always seems incredibly long. One of the struggles that the people of Israel face right off the bat, which is part of any journey that is moving from oppression to liberation, is an internal struggle. If you've grown up in an oppressive society where you have been told all your life that you are not as good as the dominant class. If you are told that you are a poor person and you are poor because it's your own fault, and wealthy people are simply just better human beings, it is possible to internalize the values of the dominant class. It is possible to internalize oppression, and it happens over and over and over again. And you began to believe, at least with part of your mindset, that what the oppressor says is true. In El Salvador, there is a popular hymn, Cuando el pobre crea en el pobre, when the poor believe in the poor there is great joy, there is great hope. But that hymn also makes very clear that it is possible for the poor to opt for the wealthy and not for the poor. People of Israel have crossed through the Red Sea. They have entered into a wilderness whenever anyone or any group of people is is making a journey from oppression to liberation to salvation, there is always some time in some wilderness. the people of Israel enter the wilderness, the Midrash says, the Hebrew Midrash says that the people of Israel had to been in the wilderness for 40 years because it takes that long. It takes that long to deal with the internal oppression, the slave mentality, which they might have or probably did develop in Egypt. As they cross into the wilderness, They began to encounter the kinds of temptations that are present in any, any struggle. They began to see that life in the wilderness was was a struggle. They began to doubt if the journey was worth the struggle. They began to say such things as, well, when we were in slavery, at least we ate three times a day. Here, we are not so sure. And besides that, it's the same old myth. They began to face the temptation of, of believing, of believing that their struggle should be over, that as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, they should be a different people, that the reality should be different, But that is not the reality. The reality is that the struggle against oppression is a long, long struggle. It also is important that the people had to learn this again and again. That when you're struggling with the forces of oppression, simply because you have a few victories, doesn't mean that the battle is over. Generation. Every generation must struggle for its own freedom and claim that freedom, or the forces of oppression will take over and destroy that freedom. In this country, those of us who struggled in the civil rights movement won a great victory in 1965. We thought on the voting rights. We have, this year, under the influence of the Trump administration, realized that we've lost the guts of that bill. The Voting Rights Act, as we knew it in 1965, has been destroyed, and we're seeing great efforts for voter suppression, particularly among those very people Who had for so long been denied the right to vote? The struggle was long, and the struggle must go on. The forces of oppression always are telling you the battle is over. You've come out of Egypt, and that's all there is to do. The forces of oppression tell you. Obama was elected president and we now live in a post-racial society. Yet today, yet today we see the forces of white racism present in the highest elected officials in this country. We see violence. We see violence continue to be perpetuated against people who have known violence too long in this society. We have seen that in the state of Kentucky, it's okay for police to break in the door of a black woman who is asleep in her apartment, has committed no crime, shoot her and kill her, and be found innocent. The movement says, say her name, Taylor, don't forget. Also, do not forget that what H. Brown said about American society is as true today as when he said it in the 1960s, and that is that racism is as American as apple pie. The journey is long and the struggle is ongoing. As the people of Israel struggled at Raphadim, they discovered they had no water. They discovered they had no water and they complained about Moses, their leader. They said, is God really with Moses or not? Is it really worth this journey? The issue of water was a real one. You can die thirst. The human body is made up of around 85 percent water. We need water. We also today live in, in a world in which water is a critical issue, a critical moral issue. Here in Houston, we think perhaps we have too much water, but we have to remember but the very nature of, of climate change itself is that at some places there will be too much and other places not enough. In 2017, as we experienced Hurricane Harvey, gallons, gallons, gallons of water following on our city. People in Cape Town, South Africa, ran out of water. Huge city, no water. It is estimated that in the world in which we live today, of eight billion people globally, in the year 2020, five billion of us will experience water stress. That means, that means that five billion of us will have problems having access to the water we need. this very day, this very day in the country of El Salvador, and we in this congregation have a close relationship with the country of El Salvador. The rector worked there, the rector's husband is from El Salvador, our curate's parents are from El Salvador, I have lived and worked in Salvadorian refugee camps, we hosted a Salvadorian family dealing with immigration issues here. For a while, they lived with us. In Soyapango El Salvador, which is the second most densely populated area in El Salvador, nearly 300,000 people. In the midst of a pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic, 200,000 people don't have enough water to wash their hands. And the mayor of Soyapango has said that for weeks people don't even get a drop of water out of their plumbing. But at the same time, corporations such as Coca-Cola Get plenty of water to bottle and sell to these same people. Coffee growers continue to get all the water they know to raise the coffee beans that they can sell to us. Fair trade organic. States in our own countries, such as California and Nevada are already experiencing water problems as the Colorado River begins to dry up. Water is a serious issue. It is real. And what the people of Israel faced was a real problem. Very often, very often in the journey to liberation, you face not only internalized problems, but you face very real external problems. When they were faced with this major crisis, the people of Israel said, is God among us not?" They did not put their trust in God. They grumbled. Why did we even begin this journey? In our Gospel reading today, from Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is having another conflict with the religious authorities. Jesus often had such conflicts. They ask him a question, and then he asks them a question about John the Baptist, knowing full well that they won't answer it. And then he tells a parable. He tells a parable about a man who had a vineyard and two sons. And he goes to the first son and he said, Son, will you go work in the vineyard today? And the son said, No way. I'm not going. Then the man went to the second son. And he said to the second son, Son, I need workers in the vineyard today, will you go? And the second son said, yes, no problem. And he continued to play his video games and didn't go. Then Jesus said to the religious authorities, which of this person did the will of God? And the religious authorities have enough insight to give the correct answer. They said, the first one the one who said no, and then went. And then Jesus said to them, you are sort of like the yes people. You say the right words, but you don't have the right actions. The tax collectors and the prostitutes have said no, no, no. But when they heard John the Baptist, many of them began process of transformation which is now allowing them to enter into the new liberated reality that God is bringing on earth before you Jesus wants us to know that it is important for actions to match words Jesus wants us to be people who say yes and go, not people who say yes and never go. Writing to the church in Philippi, the first church that Paul founded in Europe, Paul wrote this letter, by the way, because the good people in Philippi had sent him a collection of offering, while he was in prison, probably in Ephesus, He was writing a thank you note. But he also had a great concern about instructing people in how to be those kinds of people who say yes and go, who say yes and go. Paul says to them, if you want to do the will of God in your life, and doing the will God is critical in the New Testament. Paul says you need to look at Jesus. You need to look at Jesus and His life. Now, among New Testament scholars, this section of Philippians is called the kenosis section. The Greek word kenosis means emptying, emptying. Paul said look at Jesus. What did he do? He emptied himself He said, he starts at one level and he moves lower and lower and lower He said if you want to be a follower of Jesus you got to realize You got to realize that life is basically a process of downward mobility Jesus begins here and he empties himself, and he enters into solidarity with all of us who are on that journey. From whatever oppression we've known, through whatever wilderness in which we find ourselves, Jesus is with us. God is on our side, following us, seeking to empower us on the journey. And our task. Our task is to follow his example. And then, Paul says, and this is the hard work, he says you must also have the same mind that Jesus had. You must have the same mind that Jesus had, the mind that's not so much focusing on my well being as on the well being of the entire community. Gandhi said, if I'm hungry, it's a a personal issue. If my neighbor is hungry, it's a spiritual issue. Paul is saying, we need, we need to have that mindset that can let go
1: of all those things
0: we desire and think it's gonna make our life so well, and make sure, and make sure that we never, never, never support any political leader who denies the reality of white racism. That we never support any political leader who denies the reality of climate change, the deaths that are occurring even this moment because people don't have water. We must have that mindset that examines our own use. How do we contribute to the ongoing violence in our society? How do we contribute? You know, in in, in in our society, we use 50 bathtubs full of water to produce one pound of beef. 50 bathtubs full of water. We use millions of gallons of water each day fracking, seeking to continue to have certain forms of gas, natural gas. While in the rest of the world, nearly two-thirds of the world, doesn't have enough. We need to realize again and again that in Christ we are our brother's brother and our sister's sister. We need to realize that on the journey we are called, as Paul said, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and we need to do that now. We need to do that now, as we face into our own revenue. As we come to the place where there may not be any water, we need to realize that whatever rocks we encounter upon the journey, and in the Midrash, the rock at Hora stood for that which was dead and the water stood for new life, and God brought new life out of that which was dead. The promise of Paul to the Philippians is that God is with us. And so the issue is not so much the question that the Hebrew people ask. Is God with us or not, but the question is, are we with God? Let us pray that our yes will be yes, and our yes will also mean we will go. Let there be peace among us, and let us never be instruments of our own or anyone else's